Hey friends, thanks for joining me. This is Unshakable. I'm Pastor Jeff. I appreciate you uh, spending some time with me today. We are in the third episode of our series on church culture, talking about controversial things. Why do we do some things in the church and not others? And today we're focused on what everybody loves to argue about, worship. And as long as I can remember, there's been one single issue which has been at the center of so many conflicts and disagreements, and that is the issue of raising our hands while singing on a Sunday morning in corporate worship. Sadly, this is emblematic of the types of things that we tend to get distracted over. Silly things like raising of hands. You know, the church is facing some really serious issues right now, and you think we'd be able to focus on the essentials, but we struggle with this. But having been in the church for a long time now and being a student of church life, I do know why both sides tend to get irritated and judgmental with each other. So stay tuned to the end. I'm going to try to explain where both sides are coming from and where I think we ought to land. So in preparation for this video this week, I went to my internet search engine and I typed in one word, worship, and then I went to the images tab and guess what type of photo showed up? The first 40 images of worship look like this. People with their hands raised in the air. That is apparently the first thing that people think about when they hear the word worship. And of course, when we go to the world of emojis, we all know this emoji and what it means. Two hands raised. That's worship or praise, right? So why do so many people, why is it so prevalent that we connect the concept of worship with this particular picture? And here's a follow-up question. If that image is the universal sign of worship, why is it that in some churches, raising hands is prevalent and encouraged but in other churches, it's not only not done, but it's discouraged and looked down upon. How is it that Christians can be so polar opposite on something as central as worship, but in such a minor detail as to what we do with our hands? So let's talk about an important subject. Let's talk about our physical posture in worship. Does God care how we physically present ourselves before Him when we sing praises? Well, I don't think anybody would argue that God doesn't care about our thinking or that He doesn't care about our emotions. We all seem to understand that when we come to sing praises to the Lord, that we bring our mind and our hearts to Him. The question is, why wouldn't we include our bodies with that? Well, I, I think our bodies should be added to the equation related to worship. I would say God absolutely is concerned with how we physically present ourselves before Him. And listen, maybe you've never thought about that. Maybe you just roll into church, you're glad you made it, and whether you're sitting or standing, or you're standing still, or you're moving, or your hands are straight down, or doing something else, uh, you just haven't cared about it, but I think you should care about it. Because how you present yourself on the outside says something about what's going on within you. Now, at our church, our worship leaders strive, and they work hard at this, to create an atmosphere where people can come in and feel a sense of freedom in genuinely expressing themselves before God, and that can take on, on many forms. The most important thing for any worshiper, are you ready for this, is authenticity. That we come before God as we're singing praises with thoughts that are true to ourselves, emotions that are true, and a posture that is true. At Oak Hill, we never try to manufacture a worship atmosphere that somehow communicates to people that they have to worship one way or the other, or that there is a more godly way to do it. The whole idea of coercing a physical demonstration like raising hands would violate the principle of authentic worship. And likewise, if we were to tell people you can't do this or you shouldn't raise your hands, that too 
would violate that principle. So whatever we choose to do when we sing, it either comes from the heart and is therefore a valuable expression of worship, or it's a performance and it has no value at all. Now, before we take a step further, you know what question I'm going to bring up next, right? What does the Bible have to say about our physical posture in worship? And especially, what does it have to say about our hands? Well, the Old Testament is chock full of interesting data about what God requires in worship. And there's a whole bunch of different postures mentioned. I've got the list up in front of me here. You see in the Old Testament descriptions of singing and shouting and clapping and kneeling and the use of all kinds of musical instruments, and yes, the lifting of hands. And as you might expect, a lot of these expressions come out of the book of Psalms, which as we're going through right now at Oak Hill, you know is a very exp expressive book related to prayer and worship. Now I could point to so many Psalms as an example of this, but since our time is limited, let me give you just one really good example. Psalm 63 verses one to four. Here's what it says. O oh God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live at your name. I will do what? I will lift up my hands. Man, there's so much passion and expressive language in that part of that psalm from David. And sadly, that's the type of passion that is often missing in New Testament churches today. But that phraseology about lifting hands is very common. We see other things like, I lift up my hands in your sanctuary. I spread out my hands before you. Now, lest you object by saying, well, Jeff, uh, of course we see that type of language. It's the book of Psalms. It's a book of poetry and song. Well, I would point you to other places in the Old Testament that share that same language. In fact, some very prominent places like 2 Chronicles 6, where we have the great prayer of dedication from Solomon. Here's what it says. It says, Then he, Solomon, stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands. Imagine the scene, the king of Israel in front of the entire assembly of Israel raising his hands to Yahweh. It goes on to say, Now Solomon had made a bronze platform, and he knelt on his knees in the presence of all the assembly of Israel. He knelt down and did what? And spread out his hands toward heaven. I could also point you to Ezra, the great scribe of Israel during the Second Temple period, in a couple of ways too. First of all, in his private worship and prayer life. It says in Ezra chapter 9, At the evening offering I arose from my humiliation, even with my garment and my robe torn, and I fell on my knees and did what? Stretched out my hands to the Lord my God. And also to Ezra's public instruction for worship. Listen to this passage. This is from Nehemiah chapter 8. It says, And all the people gathered, and they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, and when he opened it, what happened? All the people stood up. That's why we do that to this day. We honor the Word of God when we open the book, the people stand. And then it finishes. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, while doing what? Lifting up their hands. 
Okay, you say, well, Jeff, we see that ancient Israel is very clear how they were supposed to worship. Well, what about us today? What about the New Testament church? Well, a couple things. First of all, we can't just toss out the Old Testament. It is instructive for us, so we can't ignore all of those passages. But we can also acknowledge that less is said about the practical aspect of worship in the New Testament. But here's the thing. The concept hasn't changed. The New Testament Greek word for worship is proskuneo, and it means the same thing in the New Testament as it meant in the Old Testament. It means to have an encounter with God and to praise Him with submission and reverence. But as I said, there's not a lot of practical how-tos about worship given to us in the New Testament. We're given a significant amount of freedom on this issue, and frankly, I'm personally grateful for that. But here's what that means for us. As New Testament believers, if we're going to get this right and worship the Lord in a way that pleases Him, we've got to look at the overall text of Scripture, and we've got to extract general principles about worship from the text and then using wisdom, apply that in the practical details. And like I said, there's a range of freedom given to us, but at the same time, we also have to be careful to establish healthy boundaries in terms of expression in worship, lest our worship services become chaotic and confusing, which we absolutely know is not pleasing to the Lord. And again, let me say it, posture matters. So when a Christian comes to church on Sunday, he or she ought to consider what is it I'm doing and what am I not doing when I begin to sing praises. Obviously, we want to make sure that we're thinking rightly about God when we sing. Obviously, we want to make sure we direct our emotions, our affections towards Him. But also, we want to consider how we direct our bodies. And what does Paul famously say about this in Romans 12? He writes, Present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of what? Of worship. Now, as Paul writes that, he's talking about all of life, but it's not any less applicable when we come to church and we sing praises to God together as a body. So as we're talking about our bodies and about posture, let's talk about these things. Let's talk about our hands. And let me remind you of a biological fact. All day, every day, our hands give visible expression to our feelings. We use our hands, don't we? When we're angry, or we're frustrated, or we're bewildered, or we're welcoming somebody, or we're expressing affection, we engage our hands in all of our interactions. Now, imagine living life where you never used your hands, where everything was just your hands were glued to the side of your body. That would be completely unnatural. So if we do that in regular life, why would we come to church and sing to the one who made us and the one who redeemed us, the one who died for us, the one who saved for us, and not express ourselves in any way with our hands? Now, I can almost hear the objection. You're like, Jeff, I'm just not an expressive person. But are you sure about that? Are you expressive with your hands in other parts of your life, but just not on Sundays, not on worship? It's worth exploring. I'm not telling you that you have to raise your hands to a certain level or you have to do anything with your hands. But if it's normal for you to be expressive using your hands when you relate to other human beings, why not in worship? Now, if you don't mind, let me share briefly with you my personal testimony related to uh, worship philosophy. When I was a a young believer, I was very much committed to this idea of very still and quiet worship. My hands were always safely at my sides or safely tucked away in my pockets. And I learned very quickly on from friends and from peers that to do otherwise 
might make me look like a fanatic in front of other people, maybe even one of those crazy charismatics. And frankly, that was enough for me. I mean, I was driven by the fear of man early on in my walk with Jesus. Uh, the opinions of others mattered a lot. So if, if I heard, hey, people are going to think you're a fanatic if you move your hands at all, well, then I'm not going to do that. So staying very still and sort of singing very softly so I couldn't be heard, I just figured that was the cool way to go. It made me feel like I was in control. It made me feel like I was dignified. And above all else, it made me realize that if I do it this way, nobody's going to judge me. And the sad reality is that is how most of us learn to express ourselves in worship, by some form of peer pressure. Amazingly, most Christians, and I include myself in this early on in my walk with the Lord, they don't go to the scriptures to try to figure out what pleases the Lord when it comes to singing praises. Instead, we tend to do one of three things. Number one, we, we tend to mimic those around us. Number two, we tend to respond to the opinions of others, especially people we respect. Or number three, we just go along with what our particular tribe of Christianity says is acceptable. And whatever that is, we then adopt that as normal. And by the way, that is true for both sides of this particular debate. The charismatic, more expressive side, they will just come to worship and throw up their hands without a second thought because, hey, that's just what we do. And then the more still and be quiet side, they will not move and they will keep their hands down. Why? Because that's just what we do. And then there's the final piece to the worship equation, which is a big one, and that is our individual personalities. They do play a role when it comes to worship because, look, some of us are just more introverted. So when we sing praises, we're going to keep our hands really tight and really quiet, aren't we? And then there's others in the church who could not care less about what people think with them. And so they're going to be all over the place with their hands. And that's, that's just a part of their personality. Okay, so now stepping back and putting together all that information we've talked about so far, let's ask the question, who's doing this right? Well, if you know me at all, you know exactly how I'm going to answer that question. There's a healthy balance to be found between those two extremes. So as we close now with some practical applications here, let me give you three principles that you absolutely have to grasp if you want to get this right. Principle number one, if your worship is not authentic and from your heart, it doesn't matter what your posture is. It doesn't matter what you do or don't do with your hands. It's going to be meaningless because you can't fake worship before an omniscient being. So if you're getting all expressive on a Sunday morning and you're throwing your hands up into the air, but really it's a performance that you've been conditioned to do or taught to do, then you've missed the entire point. And if you're just trying to work up some emotion in order to launch yourself into a, quote, worship experience, well then, guess what? Your focus is not on God, it's on yourself. And on the other side of the coin, if you're being still and quiet, and you're not moving your hands in any way, shape, or form, but they're glued to your side because you're afraid of what other people might think of you, well, then your focus is not on God either. It's on yourself. And if you come to church and you're still in quiet because you're not feeling anything at all when we begin to sing, well, that's a whole other issue that you should get some counsel on. And that leads me to my second very important principle. Listen, being lukewarm towards God and disinterested in worship is unacceptable. And it's a giant red flag concerning the spiritual condition of somebody who is struggling in that way. As a pastor, this is the thing that probably concerns me the most. When I look out at our congregation during the time of worship, 
this concerns me a lot. When I see people who are just not paying attention, that are staring off into space, that appear to be checked out, or they're just going through the motions, they're you know, mumbling words underneath their breath as if, as if these lyrics mean nothing at all. This is a major concern. Friend, listen, if you understand what God has done for you through Christ, the grace that he has lavished upon you, how can you come into the congregation knowing that and sing praises, look at those lyrics either in your hymn book or on the screen, and be lukewarm towards God, be disinterested in worship? Remember, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Now, assuming that you are thinking rightly about God, and as you come into church on a Sunday, you are feeling something. You're feeling thankful for the salvation that you have. You're feeling at peace, or you're feeling joyful. You're feeling blessed by the Lord in some way. Or at the other end of the spectrum, maybe you're feeling broken over sin, or you're feeling guilty, you're feeling shame, or you're feeling like, I need strength because I'm going through a trial. Whatever it is, the point of worship is to bring all of that into the presence of God and to sing praises. You've got to decide at that moment, okay, Lord, I'm bringing all of my thinking to you. I'm bringing my emotions and my affections to you. And I'm also bringing my body to you in a particular physical posture. And knowing that the God of the universe cares for you and that he, he bends down to hear your cries, what do you do with your hands? Well, probably something, right? Something. As we said before, if we all express ourselves with our hands in regular life, why not before the Lord in worship? So listen, here's my very simple practical advice on what to do with your hands. Express yourself with your hands in some authentic way. It might be very little. It might just be with your hands right here. Uh, it might be a lot with your hands up in the air. But listen, don't worship like a cadaver. Now listen, as I say that, I'm really not trying to tell you how to worship. I'm not telling you exactly what to do with your hands. I'm just saying be authentic and genuine and expressive with your hands, however that comes out. And listen, if you can magnify the Lord and express your surrender to Him and your dependence upon Him and your thankfulness for the grace that He has lavished on your life, if you can do that with very little movement in your hands, and that is genuine for you, that is awesome. Go and do it. But as for me, I just I need to be more expressive than that. That is where the Lord has taken me in my worship philosophy. Now, you're not going to see me, you know, out of control, throwing my hands around, dancing around the room, but I am going to express myself with my hands in an authentic way because that's what I do when I am engaging with people that I care about. Now, will I do the same thing with my hands with every worship song that I sing? Absolutely not. But when I am thinking about Christ and I've directed my thoughts and my affections towards him in the worship service and a particular lyric hits me and I'm overwhelmed by his love or by his grace or by conviction of sin, whatever it might be, I'm going to respond in some way. And that response is usually going to involve my hands. But that leads me to the third and final important principle. Whichever side of this debate you're on, and hopefully you're balanced on this, but if you're more on the quiet side or you're more on the expressive side, we are all prone to judge other spirituality based on what we see with our physical eyes. And we always tend to judge people who are different than us. So the quiet people are going to say, well, look at those hand wavers, those hand lifters. They're out of control. 
And of course, the more expressive people are going to go, look at those quiet people. They're not even worshiping. Listen, don't fall into that trap. Do not fall into that trap. Because quiet hands that are kept quiet for a reason, for the sake of authenticity before the Lord, can absolutely be worshipful. And folks who lift their hands to the sky and wave them around, it doesn't mean that they're emotionally out of control. So the principle is, don't judge anyone but your own heart when it comes to worship. And as I say all the time on this channel and from the pulpit, develop a conviction over important issues like this. Friends, don't do anything in the Christian life mindlessly. You should always know what you believe, why you believe it, and what is it that motivates you to do what you do. So, especially when it comes to something like worship, don't, don't worship just because this person told you or you're listening to that guy's opinion or you feel pressured to do it in this way. You develop your conviction. That means you study it, you research it, you pour over the scriptures, you pray about it, you think about it, and then you live out that conviction. So important. And with that, it's time for us to wrap up. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you have a chance, hit the like button on this video, subscribe to the channel so that you get news about the new episodes that are coming up because we'll be back soon with another controversial issue of church culture. I got a whole list of them, so you're not gonna wanna miss them. Guys, until then, remain unshakable and love each other well. See you soon.